Okay, it's Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. Be found on page 1042 of your Bibles. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship... Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank you, Natalie. And the children can uh, go to that little group. Um, and uh, just as they go, can I say that there will be uh, opportunity. Uh, Abigail, there's a Bible underneath you, um, which will probably do you a lot more than your handbag. Um, so uh, we're going to be studying Luke chapter 11, and um, at the end of that we can ask any question we want, say anything we want, and Rennie, you've got to start us off already. Hmm? Sorry? Right. She, she wants to pop outside to let her friend in. Oh, right. Oh, right, okay. So, what, want to go now quickly? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're we're going to carry on and, and start. Uh, and I just uh, begin by realizing that prayer is a very funny thing, isn't it? Uh, it's the kind of thing that everyone does. And most people, whether they're really close to God, churchy or not, usually pray. And yet, it's an area that although we do it, all of us, is still an area where we're pretty weak. And that's true of the disciples. They're Jewish men. And they've grown up with prayer all their lives. And they're asking Jesus, uh, please, we need help. Uh, Lord, teach us to pray. And uh, the reason uh, that's helpful for us is because if we are going to make progress in our relationship with God, 
It's always a good thing to start by uh, saying that we're rubbish. Uh, if we start by saying, look, uh, yeah, we just need a little bit of fine-tuning, uh, we're going to be probably uh, no better off. But if we start with the kind of humility and honesty that says, look, I- I- I'm really not that good and uh, I need something uh, new, maybe even a fresh start in this area. Because when we pray, uh, we don't see the point of praying. What kind of things should we be asking for? We ask for the wrong thing. Or when we pray, we very quickly stop praying. We give it up as something that really doesn't work. Or when we pray, we're never quite sure why we get some things and don't get other things. And, well, does God know how to answer prayer? Hiya. There's two seats in the front, so uh, grab uh, each of them. So, when it comes to understanding prayer, uh, we're generally uh, pretty clueless, uh, and we kind of work out, well, what's the point? Uh, we don't know whether it works or not, because we try a few times, we don't get what we want, and it's easy to give up. And the third thing is, we wonder, well, uh, are we going to get anything out of this? if we go down this road. And Jesus tonight is going to give us massive help. And what he's going to do is to help us to understand what the purpose of prayer is. He'll help us to understand how to be persistent in prayer. And he'll help us to understand what is the greatest present we get when we pray. Okay? So, the first... uh, Uh, thing that we're going to be looking at is to look at what is the purpose of prayer. Because in these verses, verses 2 to 4 especially, Jesus is really telling us why we pray. I know the disciples are asking, Lord, teach us how to pray. But uh, he's answering the question, why do we pray? When you look at the words, we'll see. Now, if you want to take these words and say, okay, this is how I must pray. In other words, I will cut and paste this and say these words myself. Yeah, that's fair enough. Won't do any harm. We'll be doing that later in the service. But really what Jesus is answering here is why we pray. And it's interesting that he does this at the end of uh, Luke's Gospel. Jesus is heading for uh, Jerusalem. He will be dying when he gets there. And so the Lord's Prayer is taught at the end of the journey. Whereas in Matthew's Gospel, it's taught in the Sermon on the Mount. In other words, at the start of his public work. So what we're really finding out is that actually uh, Jesus mentions this twice and is mentioning it to us not for a parroting of these words ourselves, but for a pattern. So what Jesus isn't saying to us is, look, when you're praying, pray only, pray exactly these words. He's saying that when you pray, have this kind of thing on your mind. 
And so we're going to be uh, praying. Remember, George did this at the start of the service when he prayed the Lord's Prayer. You could pick up the Lord's Prayer, but he was going down and talking about other things, but with these kind of sentiments in his mind. So we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. And the trick question is, uh, how many things are you asking for in verses 2 to 4? And the maths people were getting their calculators out and counting the number of lines. And I want to say there's only one thing here that matters, and that is Jesus saying, Father, hallowed be your name. Let's pick up on the Father just for a moment, because that is exactly how Jesus called God when he prayed to him. And now what Jesus is doing is saying, I'm going to make sure that you have the same relationship with my Father the way that I had. Now he could do that because he's going to the cross. He's going to die in our place for the things that keep us far away from God so that as forgiven people, the gift of the cross is that you now have the same relationship with God as Jesus did. And you can call him Father as well. So when you talk about calling God Father, this is the relationship that Jesus gives you through the cross. And as you call him Father, you pray the same thing that Jesus prayed all his life, which is, hallowed be your name. That is really the only thing that this prayer is majorly asking for. Everything else comes from that one desire. So you want God to look after you every day because his name will be honored as he does that. You want him to keep your relationships with him and with other people close because that will honor him. You want him to keep you from temptation because, well, after you've prayed, you don't want to go and dishonor him. Keep him from temptation means that you will continue to honor him in your life. So it's the one prayer that everything else will come out of. And it's a prayer for the glory of God's name, which is why you've got the picture you have on the screen. That's meant to be a sort of a, a glorious picture. And that's what we're asking for most of all. Now, the thing to realize is that when you start talking and asking for that, you have actually started a whole new way of praying. Because the thing that's normally on our minds and consuming us is essentially our own self-interest. And most people think of prayer as a rubbing of the lamp and the arriving of the genie to give us three wishes. And when we begin to understand that actually this conversation is uh, uh, the one that Jesus wants us to have, you begin to see that there is a huge amount of freedom and liberty that comes into our relationship when we talk in this way because no longer are we praying for things out of a love for ourselves. We're now praying for things out of a love for God and for his glory. 
So the mark of the person who actually loves God is that they no longer love themselves, that they fill the screen, but now begin to speak things that seek out God's honor instead. So the first reason we pray is that we might understand more of God's glory because essentially prayer is a deliverance from selfishness to a concern for what is far more important than us. Okay? So the first thing about prayer, the reason why we pray, is because we want to develop our love for God more than our love for ourselves. But the second thing that the Lord's Prayer develops, if you like, in us is amazing humility. Because it is a very humbling thing to look for these basic needs that we think we can be self-sufficient in by ourselves. So that, for example, take the need for our daily bread. Now, normally, we wouldn't want to talk to God about that because we control the bread supply. You work hard, you sweat, you come back with your pay, you go to the bread uh, uh, maker, you buy your own. And what we begin to see is actually it's a deeply humbling thing for us to stop and to be developed in our understanding that we need God to give us our daily bread. And in a very real way we do, because if we lose our health and if we lose our abilities, well, the situation becomes very different, doesn't it? So we pray for our daily bread. It's a very helpful prayer because it stops us being over-demanding as well. We are praying for bread. And it is very interesting, isn't it, that in these days of prosperity, gospel, and everything else, where you expect God to give you uh, everything that you put on your shopping list and a bit more as well. It is interesting that when Paul writes to pastors, and Timothy is a friend of his who's a pastor, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8, uh, Paul says, with food and clothing we will be content. Uh, daily bread, please. Uh, I'm not going to come with my demands. So it's a very humbling thing for us to understand that we need to look to God to provide us for the very simplest things rather than thinking that we can manage everything for ourselves. And the same thing comes for relationships. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. In other words, for us to have any relationships that count, we deeply rely on God. If he doesn't forgive us, we will have absolutely no relationship with him. And similarly, unless we forgive others, we won't have any relationships with them. It's very interesting, isn't it? We think that friendships are broken when the other person doesn't treat us right. What the Bible tells us is friendships are only broken when we don't forgive them for not treating us right. Uh, they cannot treat us right and the friendship will survive if we forgive. 
they treat us badly and we refuse to forgive, it's game, set, match over. So we need God to help us in our relationships with Him, with each other. As He forgives, as we forgive. And then there is uh, the third thing that we need Him uh, to help us with. It's very humbling to ask this as well. And that is to lead us not into temptation. What does that tell you? That tells you that I'm all very well to, pre to pray like Jesus, but I'll tell you the minute I stop praying, I shall turn into Adam and start falling all over the shop and making unwise decisions in my life. And so therefore in my simple decision making that I need to make, I need God's help to deliver me from being a fool. The Bible assumes that I am thoroughly foolish. And therefore, if I have to make decisions, they will always be unwise. And I need God to help me, to deliver me from temptation. So that I can, after speaking like Jesus, live like Jesus. So it is the same prayer that... Uh, uh, Jesus prays in the sense that we have the same relationship with him, but we don't make the same requests as him because you'd never have Jesus asking for forgiveness. But in the same relationship we have, we can bring these requests to him that uh, humble us, so that uh, we pray for our daily bread. We pray for our relationships, which frankly we need as much as our daily bread. Life just disappears down the plug hole if relationships aren't there. And we also need his help to make wise decisions and to uh, not uh, trip up into temptation. So the point of prayer is for us to see the glory of God and to seek it. Uh, to develop our love for that rather than for our own interests. Lord's Prayer helps us to do that. And it is also a help for us to come humbly and develop our humility with God as we seek these different things. So in that sense, it isn't any longer the Lord's Prayer because the Lord will be praying for forgiveness. It is the disciples' prayer really more than the Lord's Prayer if you wanted to give it a new name. Okay, so that's the purpose of prayer, to develop a desire for God's glory and to develop humility in us. What about persistence in prayer? What about when we begin to uh, wonder where the prayer gets answered? And I want to look at what happens next with this friend who comes at midnight uh, between 5 and 8, between verses 5 to 8. And you see what's happening. Uh, the friend's mate arrives, and so this whole thing is unscripted. He comes at midnight. That's not completely unreasonable because in those days it was a cooler part of the day to travel in the evening. And so therefore, he's turned up late. And at this point, 
the man finds himself placed in a position where he has no resources. But nonetheless, he has got to provide bread because in those days the rules of hospitality mean that you can't just simply say, could it wait until tomorrow morning? Okay? So he's got no resources and he is, be, he is put into a place of absolute need. He has got to get this bread. And it's because he has this absolute need that the conversation takes place between this man and the one who has got bread. Okay? If there wasn't a need in the house, this conversation wouldn't be happening with the door being knocked on. Okay? And in a similar way, God puts us in a position of real need as his motivation for us. If we didn't have that great need, there would be no conversation. So God puts us in positions where now we have got to start talking to him. Now, I don't know if you can... Maybe when we start talking in a moment, you might be able to say, actually, that was how it happened with me. I found myself in a position where I was completely stuck. I had to go. I had nowhere else. But having put us in a position of great need, uh, in other words, having created the appetite uh, in a burning hot pitcher that you see, he then provides oceans of resources to help. That's why you've got the ocean meeting uh, the hot uh, sun. Because God then provides for that need. And that's what you see happening in this verse. When the man continues to ask, he is going to get up and give him as much as he needs. So when the man goes, he is absolutely sure, just as if you remember in the all aid slot, I too was absolutely sure that I had what he wanted and I wanted to give him what he wanted. When we are convinced that God has all the resources that we need, and so we ask ourselves the question, this particular thing that I'm praying for, will God be able to do this? If the answer is yes, then we won't stop until we are given what he has. It's God's way of developing our confidence in him that we go through unanswered prayer because he wants us to hold on to the truth that he can answer prayer and then does answer prayer in this situation. So God is both the creator of need and the one with all the resources to meet that need. And when we understand that he has those resources, then we will never, ever stop asking. And if we were to have in our discussion session later someone who says, but then I, you know, I did ask God for uh, uh, this, 
but I, I, I didn't get it. I suppose my cheeky question in response is why did you stop? If you haven't got it, then keep asking. Because he has the resources to give. But you might say, hold on a minute, that works, I can understand that. I can see some logic in my head. But there are times when I pray and it seems like the time has passed and I'm definitely not going to get what I'm asking for. So to give you an example, uh, what happens if we pray for somebody to get off their hospital bed and they don't? And then what do we do? The persistence is not going to change anything at that point. So we go from prayer, from the purpose, to persistence, but then we've got to find out what is the greatest present. And we're going to uh, see that as we look at that last bit uh, between uh, verses 11 and 13. I just want to pause because my eye has gone to verse 9 and to verse 10 and to point out that when the Bible talks about ask, asking and uh, uh, seeking and knocking, it is in the context of, hey, don't stop. Okay? It's not asking it will be given to you. Right, hey presto, you put the button in and out comes the answer. It's not like that. Jesus is actually putting the asking, seeking, knocking in the context of the man at midnight. The man who keeps asking, the man who keeps knocking, the one who keeps seeking. So never think of prayer as a one-off and you press the button and God jumps. It's a relationship where we ask and seek and find. So we go on then to the last one, which is what is the present of prayer? What happens when we ask and we don't get? It is very easy, isn't it, to think that that's a bit like the person who's promised a fish and gets the snake in verse 11. Hopes raised, hopes dashed. And we think that the way Jesus takes this is to say, no, 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 no. If you ask for a fish, the way it works is you don't get a snake, you get two fish. So we're puzzled at what Jesus actually says at the end, which is, you ask, and the final result is that God will give the Holy Spirit. Now, we might think that seems to be a bit of a strange thing, because... We've been asking for fish. We've been asking for the practical things. The man needed bread. And therefore, we need to realize there's a difference between the giving of the gift and what Jesus is saying is, yeah, the gifts are well within my reach and range to give, but really what I'm going to be doing is to be giving you myself. When we go to God, ultimately the final blessing that we receive is not just the gift that he gives, but actually the person that he is. 
he will give the Holy Spirit. That is his very presence is what we gain most. It's not the gift that we gain. It is the presence of God himself. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is there primarily to work inside us to make us like the Lord Jesus. And when God gives us the Holy Spirit, it is therefore ultimately not just simply to put fish treats in our pockets or in our mouths, but to actually make us like his son while we pray. So whenever you get to pray, the greatest gain that you have is not that you walk away if you're looking at the all-age slot with a bag of marshmallows. The greatest gain is the relationship you have with God himself as you understand his generosity and especially as you understand how what he works to do is not to give us things but to change us into the likeness of his son. And so the Holy Spirit is given that we might be like him. The ultimate gain is not the glass, but the hand that uh, gives us uh, the experience of being like God and being created and shaped into being like Christ. And that's what happens. That's the best thing that happens when we pray. <coughs> so it may be that you're someone who's new and you've kind of had... Uh, a view of Christianity that if you kind of connect with Christianity it's like pressing a button and all the lights come on and uh, life goes hunky-dory from there. What you actually discover is that God's program is to draw you into a relationship with him in a way that uh, changes you to become like him. And let me persuade you that that is the very, very best thing that can happen because it delivers us from being selfish people permanently preoccupied with our elevation to being people who love God so much that we begin to be permanently preoccupied with His glory and honor. And if that's something that appeals to you, why don't you start tonight? Why don't you start talking to Him tonight? Why don't you ask Him to take you and to honor His name through you and the person you are in the future. What about if you're churchy? You've prayed lots and you've done that in public, you've done that in private. But it is actually a helpful challenge for us, isn't it, to say, yeah, we can do it lots, but we may not do it right. And it's important, I think, for us to realize that as we're praying like Jesus, then our major concern is no longer to simply parrot out certain things that we've been taught in Sunday school, but to deeply cry out for his honor as we pray out of our hearts, and to be deeply humbled by the truth that we need to go to him for the simplest needs for the widest relationships and because 
we have our weakest moments. As we pray for our bread, our forgiveness and help in temptation. So churchy people may need to understand that our prayer needs to be transformed as well. And it may be your disciple. And it may be that you think actually this prayer thing, yeah, I understand the theory, but for me it's all gone quiet. I've stopped. I've asked and uh, it's not the way it works with other people. I don't get and the encouragement from tonight is, no, don't stop. Uh, uh, God is listening. You can't see him, but he hears. And he has all the resources that he needs and that you need. Uh, so don't stop. Keep bearing that in mind and keep seeking him. Keep knocking. Keep asking. And don't think that even if nothing's happening, that nothing's happening. Because actually, even as you pray, the Holy Spirit is making you like Christ as you do that. That is the response that he made. And every time you pray, he gives us the Holy Spirit that we might be like his son. Let me stop there and ask you for the questions that you might want to ask me.